0: Hi, welcome to the New Covenant Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast, a congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the OPC, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, if you would please turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. We'll be looking at just at verses 2 through 6 here this evening. Again, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. And if you would, please rise for the, pre- for the, uh, for the reading of God's word as we honor the reading of his word. Continue earnestly in prayer being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Thus far, the reading of God's Word. Brothers and sisters, you may be seated. Let's go before the Lord once again in a time of prayer. Let's pray. Father, as we continue to hear of the instruction which Paul gave to the Colossians, about how to live a life of holiness, how we do ask that you would fill us with your spirit and enable us to live such a life, that your name might be sanctified in our life, that, that others might see our good works and give praise to you, our Father who is in heaven. Lord, we recognize our weakness, our inability uh, to, to sanctify ourselves, that we, we strive for holiness, and yet, Lord, if you do not bless in the efforts, we can make no progress. We recognize that it is you who work in us both to will and to act according to your good pleasure. And we especially pray, O Lord, as we receive this instruction about prayer and evangelism, that you would enable us to do this through the glory and praise of your own name. And we ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Well, it's a very fitting thing for us to be considering Colossians chapter four, verses two through six, here this evening, especially since we are coming off of a day of prayer and fasting this uh, past Wednesday. If you remember, we set aside that entire day with particular prayer points, uh, things that we would would pray for as a church uh, together uh, in the evening in our prayer meeting. But then, even throughout the day, we would be we were looking at particular things to to bring before the Lord together, and we fasted so that we could humble ourselves before God and seek his favor with regard to these things. And we did that because there are a number of things that we believe about God. The first is we believe that God is able to change our current circumstances, that he is the sovereign Lord, the one who is in control of all things. And as we think about all the effects of the coronavirus and the things that that have uh, befallen us, We recognize that at a moment, in a moment, God can simply command it and all of it can be gone. And we also believe not only is he mighty so that he is able to change things, to be able to change even the things related to the coronavirus, we believe also that he is merciful, that he is a God of grace who, in particular, hears the prayers of his people when his people cry out to him for help, even as the people did uh, in the days of the exodus. Their cry went up to the Lord, and the Lord heard it. He remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he acted on behalf of his own people. So we know the same things to be true. God is able to help us, and he's willing to help us. He is our great father. And because of these great realities, we set aside that entire day for fasting and prayer. And here in Colossians 4, verses 2 to 6, we have Paul giving instructions to the Colossians about how they are to pray. How are they to seek the Lord in prayer that is what the Apostle Paul answers for us here and we recognize that from what the Apostle Paul says from even our own actions and trying to set aside a day for fasting and prayer we recognize that prayer is absolutely indispensable to the Christian life it is an absolutely necessary part of the Christian life it shows our faith in God and without prayer there really is no true faith in God and it works kind of both ways You cannot pray truly if you do not have faith, and if you have faith, you cannot fail to pray. There will, all of those, it's a mark of those who truly believe in God, and only them, that they have God's ear, and that they call out to him, that they call upon his name, and that God hears from heaven and answers us. He answers us who are called by the name of Christ himself when we pray in his name. Now, all throughout the scriptures, there are uh, many passages in the Bible which teach us how we are to pray. And here, again, Paul gives the instruction on how to pray. But he also includes not only instruction on prayer, but also you'll, you'll notice in verses 5 and 6 on evangelism as well. How we are to act with those who are outside of The kingdom of God. And these two things are vitally linked, as I hope we'll we'll see uh, this evening. Prayer and evangelism are very much linked because the primary thing that Paul says that we ought to pray for here in Colossians chapter 4 is the advancement of the kingdom. Prayer uh, is to be made for the advancement of the kingdom of God, and then evangelism is our efforts to see that kingdom expand. It's our part uh, outside of prayer that we partake of in trying uh, to bring about the advancement of God's kingdom. And we recognize as well, as we go out and do evangelism, as we try to speak with others who do not name the name of Christ, we recognize that that there is a great necessity for prayer in this. If God does not answer us, if God is not the one who blesses our efforts in sharing the gospel with our neighbors, then there will be no fruit. If God does bless us, then there can be no failure of fruit. If God softens a heart, it is softened. If God does not soften a heart, it is not softened. And so these two things go together. We go out, we share the gospel boldly with other people, and we pray that God would bless all of our efforts for the sake of the advancement of of his kingdom. Now remember where we are in the letter of Colossians. This is um, the conclusion of uh, a long section in the book of Colossians where Paul has been dealing with how We are to live holy lives before him, how we are to live uh, godly lives, seeking the things which are above. You remember that in chapter 2, Paul dealt mainly with the heresy, which was uh, confronting the the Colossians. And he said, you are to cling to Christ. Everything you need is in him. You don't need any of these other things. Paul began to explain what holiness looks like. And in one of the passages that our holiness includes prayer and evangelism. Our holiness includes prayer and evangelism. Now, when we look at this this passage, we'll look at it under two headings, and they're just very simply those uh, two points, prayer and evangelism, prayer in in verses 2 through 4, and then evangelism in verses 5 and 6. This is an absolutely necessary part of the Christian life. We are to be people who pray and who evangelize, and if we are not, then there is something missing in our sanctification. So look with me again then at verses two to four in particular as we consider Paul's instructions to the Colossians with regard to prayer. And this can really be divided into two parts itself. There is first in verse two, the manner in which we are to pray, and then in verses three and four, what we are to pray. So how we are to pray and then what we are to pray. How are we to pray? What instruction does Paul give? Notice in verse two, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. So a number of things are said how are you to pray? You are to devote yourself to it. You are to continue earnestly in it. You are to be vigilant in it. This is to be a very high priority for you. Now, if you were to think of other things in your life, that if anyone were to look at your life, they would be able to say, oh yeah, that is something that you continue earnestly in. It's something that you really strive to do. What would it be? Think of uh, perhaps hobbies. Uh, if you have a particular hobby that you really like to do, this is the thing that I devote myself to that I continue earnestly in. Or perhaps it's your work. And maybe there can be, of course, more than one thing here. Perhaps it's your work. You devote yourself to your work. You're a very hard and industrious worker. Perhaps it's your family, the care of your family, doing things with your family, et cetera. There can be any number of things that we continue earnestly in. Now, if you were to ask then, as you think about those things, which you would say, yeah, that's something I continue earnestly in. Ask yourself this How is it that you know that it's something that you continue earnestly in? Well, it's because for a number of reasons. First, you would prioritize them. These are the things that you prioritize. You make an effort to make sure that you are doing these things. You give your time, your energy uh, to these things. Now, now, ask yourself with regard to prayer Can you say the same thing about the way that you pray? Is prayer something that you continue earnestly in and think about again, the the things that, that we spoke of in the beginning, if God is almighty, if God is merciful, if he hears his people pray, then of course we ought to be praying. Does your prayer life reflect the reality of these truths? Do you continue earnestly in prayer? Now, One of the things that uh, is very clear from the text is that uh, this is not something that is easy. It's not something that comes easily to us because of the weakness of our flesh. One of the things that uh, we recognize is that because Paul has to give such an exhortation to the church, and even you think of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane has the same sort of exhortation, he asks the disciples to, to stay awake, to be watchful, and to pray with him, and yet when he comes back from his own prayers, he finds them all asleep, we recognize that uh, prayer is difficult, that it is hard to continue earnestly in prayer because of the weakness of our flesh. Our minds get distracted. We often lack the kind of vital fellowship with God that we that we need. Uh, we allow distractions of life to get in the way of good habits. And so we recognize this is a very difficult thing. It is going to be hard, and yet the Apostle Paul gives the exhortation to us anyway. This is something that you must work hard at, devote yourself earnestly to prayer devote yourself to it make every effort to do it and even where you struggle in it even pray about that ask and plead with God that he would make you a person of prayer a man or woman of prayer that he would in in he would in, put in your heart these great habits to seek the Lord often with whatever you would need in this life to seek him Uh, in a way which, where if anyone were to see it, they'd be able to say, this is someone who continues earnestly in prayer. Now, notice as well the other figure that the Apostle Paul uses in verse 2. You are to continue earnestly in prayer and to be vigilant in it. This is a figure that's related to wakefulness. You are not to be asleep or to be in a stupor, but rather you are to be alert, awake. You are not to let things... uh, just pass you by as if you cannot even notice them. This is not the way that you are to be uh, in prayer uh, as a Christian. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that you are to stay up late into the night um, and to pray uh, if if, uh, there can be occasions where that can be appropriate and right and good, but that's not really what the Apostle Paul is speaking of here. He's speaking about not being spiritually asleep. Don't be spiritually asleep so as never to pray. So as uh, to let all things pass you by without ever bringing them to God. This is what the Apostle Paul um, is speaking of. Think of think of the what, what you're like when you're asleep. Things can be happening all around you and you miss them. You don't know what's going on because you're asleep for all of them. And this is the same uh, kind of thing that happens if you are spiritually asleep. If you are spiritually asleep, then there could be all kinds of things related to the kingdom of God, to the advancement uh, of the glory of his name, all kinds of things that your brothers and sisters are in desperate need of prayer for, and you simply miss all of them. Brothers and sisters, this is not to be how you are to be. You are to be aware and vigilant as a faithful Christian and therefore then to be able to bring all things to God when the occasion arises. Now, the last thing that the Apostle Paul says in terms of the manner in which we are to pray is that we are to pray with thankfulness. We are to pray with thanksgiving. This is a necessary uh, part of prayer. Uh, It's it's mentioned even in our our catechism uh, uh, in terms of what is prayer. Part of it is a giving thanks to God for all the things that he has given to us. And this, of course, makes sense. If the things which undergird our theology of prayer that I've mentioned, that God is sovereign, that he's merciful, that he hears his people, if all those things are true, then we must give thanks to God at all times. Whatever we have, we have from God. And so this, this is, these, these few things that the Apostle Paul has said in verse 2, this is the instruction that he has given in terms of how we are to pray. It's something that you are to work hard at, to be vigilant at, to continue in, to persevere in, though it be difficult, with Thanksgiving. That is how you are to pray. Now, notice as well, the Apostle Paul gives some instruction to the Colossians and by and to us by extension of what we are to pray for. And this is such a wonderful thing. The Bible does not just teach you how you are to pray in terms of the 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 status of your heart, the the the. Uh, the way in which you are to humble yourself before God, the manner of prayer. The Bible does not just teach you that uh, in the in the scriptures. It also teaches you how you are to pray in terms of what you are to pray. The, the content of your prayers are also given in the scriptures. And notice in verses three and four, the apostle Paul is seeking the prayers of the Colossians. He wants them to continue earnestly in their prayers for him. And notice the main thing that the apostle Paul is concerned with and that he wants them to pray for him about is the advancement of the kingdom of God. Now notice what is not there. What is not there is Paul's safety. And this would have been something that if Paul was concerned about it, this would have been a time for him to bring this up with the Colossians. Notice at the end of verse three, it actually says that Paul is in chains for the sake of the gospel as he is writing this letter. He is in chains because of the gospel, and yet he does not ask the Colossians to pray for his release from prison. Notice that he does not ask them to pray for that. Now, it can be a good thing to pray to pray that is, you know, we pray that people would be released from prison and whatever else, people would be healed of their their sicknesses, whatever comes their way. We we pray for all those things, but notice it was not important enough for Paul to put in the letter it was not significant enough for him to give instructions to the Colossians to pray that on his behalf. There was something that was so much more pressing that he mentions that to the complete exclusion of his own safety and health. And notice what that is in verse 3, that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Before you pray for me for anything else, Even as I am in prison, and while I am in prison, pray that God would use this imprisonment for the sake of the advancement of the kingdom of God. Now, this is one of the great examples of how we are to fulfill the instruction of the Lord Jesus Christ that he gives us at the end of Matthew chapter 6. That we are to seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness and knowing that then all the other things that we need will be given to us. This, the Apostle Paul, is a phenomenal example of. Here he is clearly seeking first the things of the kingdom of God. Before you even pray about my health, and I'm not even going to mention that, or about my release from prison, pray that God would open the door for the sake of the advancement of the gospel. This was the thing that was the closest to his heart. More than anything else, he wanted to see God's kingdom Advance, And you remember, this is Paul's attitude in even other epistles. Think of even Philippians uh, 1, Philippians, another letter which was written from prison. And Paul actually gives thanks to God because he tells the Philippians that his imprisonment is actually served for the sake of the advancement of the kingdom of God. I have been able to speak your word to even all of those who are in uh, the prison with me. And even the whole guard knows now that I am in prison for the sake of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. All things are done for the sake of the advancement of the kingdom with Paul. And that is what he is concerned with in prayer as well. Now, as you think about your own prayer life, do not just ask yourself, how well am I doing continuing earnestly in it, being vigilant in it, even persevering in it with thanksgiving? Don't just ask yourself then how you pray in terms of the manner, but even consider what are the things that you pray for? Are you concerned about the things of God, like the Apostle Paul is concerned about the things of God? You see, one of the things that is is very often the case is that prayer reveals the contents of our hearts. We pray about the things that we care about. We pray about the things that concern us, if something concerns us greatly, like you know, even even unbelievers, as like you know, if, if they're in some sort of catastrophe, they think they're about to die, they'll call out to the Lord, and they'll they'll pray that they would be saved. That sort of thing happens. That that's the thing that's on their heart at the time. Even we do the same thing. If something happens to us, we're in some sort of distress. We rightly call upon God. We cry out to Him because that is what's on our heart. When we care about someone, we hear that someone is not doing well, we pray for them because they are on our hearts. But, brothers and sisters, is the kingdom of God and its advancement on your heart in the same way? What is it that grieves your heart more than anything else? Is it your own health? Is it the health of others? Or is it the advancement? of God's kingdom. Does it cause you anguish in your soul when you see the name of Christ blasphemed by others? When you see God's name counted and treated as nothing, as you see all of God's laws broken, as you see his worship being perverted, does this bring tears to your eyes? Do, that, is it a great concern for you when you see the name of Christ blasphemed? You see, prayer does not just teach you what you are to pray it even teaches you when you know what you are supposed to pray it also teaches you what should stir your heart more than anything else what are the things that should stir your heart it's the things that you are supposed to be praying for that is what you are to be concerned about and so even if we apply this again to the coronavirus there are many reasons to be upset about it there are many um, great ways in which the coronavirus is going to affect all of us in which it has affected us and many of them deserve our prayers Uh, Again, we pray to God for even the, the smallest of things. And yet, and yet, the thing that we are to be concerned about even more than any of the effects of this virus is the advancement of the kingdom of God. This is what is to be closest to your heart. Whatever grieves your heart, this ought to be the thing that comes to mind first, that the God whom you love, that his name is treated so poorly, that he is not honored the one whom you love and whom you know is worthy. He is not honored and praised as he so deserves. This is what you are to pray for out of an overflow of the great love that you have for him. This is one of the great ways that you show the, that your love for God, that you are concerned with the things related to him first. I, I know that I love my wife because I'm concerned about the things related to her. And I seek out her good in those things. But I show that I love God by seeking the things related to him first, by even seeking those things even first in my prayers, that above all else, I want to see the name of God praised. Now, because of this, then Paul recognizes very clearly Um, the necessity of preaching. Notice that even in this prayer, when he's asking them, the Colossians to pray for the advancement of the kingdom, he's asking particularly that they would open up the door for him to preach. That in in this preaching where he speaks the mystery of Christ, that the preaching of God would be blessed. He recognizes even that he must preach, that the advancement of the kingdom uh, is his primary concern, whether it be in his prayers or in his actions. And so, brothers and sisters, this is the the way in which evangelism and prayer are connected. If in your prayers you are most concerned with the advancement of God's kingdom, and if you pour out your soul to God constantly for the sake of the advancement of God's kingdom, and you long for for his kingdom to be advanced more than anything else in this world, then it would only make sense that whenever you have the opportunity to speak to someone of Christ, that you would take advantage of that opportunity and that you would do it. And so the apostle Paul says here in verses three and four, pray for me that I would be able to preach the word. And then also in verses five and six, consider how you act towards outsiders, acting towards them in wisdom, and let your word always be seasoned with salt so that you may be able to answer anyone who has any kind of objections or concerns uh, about the gospel. You may be able to speak a word into those particular situations. Pray for me that I might preach well, and then you yourself go out and be bold in evangelism. And so that's the connection between prayer and evangelism and how they go together. If we are praying right, then I'd even ought to stir our hearts towards evangelism. And notice what the Apostle Paul says here as we look at the second point, as we look at evangelism in verses five and six, there are really two parts to this. The first in verse five, dealing with how we are to act towards others in our actions, And then in verse six, the way we are to speak to one another, uh, how we are to use our words one with another um, in evangelism. So let's look at this first in verse five. You'll notice the emphasis here is on wisdom. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, to those who are outsiders. Walk in wisdom when when interacting with those who are outside of the church. What does that mean? Well, it means uh, a number of things. You must recognize that as a christian you are someone who bears the name of christ to this world and therefore it is very important that you live a holy and a godly life before all of those who do not know the lord jesus christ this means that you would you would strive not to put any stumbling block in the way of the gospel that you would even forego your rights for the sake of being able to speak to another about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would not get entangled in silly debates that will that will cause uh, someone who um, otherwise may hear you about the gospel no longer to listen to. You are to do whatever you can to avoid putting any kind of stumbling block in the way of the gospel. You are to live a life that is above reproach. If, if you live a life that is ungodly before others— then when the ungodly see your life, they'll say, well, you're no different than I am. Why do I need this Jesus? And so that is not walking in wisdom uh, towards those who are outsiders. You are to seek to be wise, even about the way in which you interact with people so that you can set up doors for further communication and speaking to others uh, about the gospel. And you yourself are to take every opportunity that you can to share the gospel with others. This is what that last phrase means, redeeming the time. The idea of redeeming the time is we recognize time is short and and you're going to take every opportunity that the Lord gives you to share the gospel with others or to do whatever you can to help others to take the next step uh, towards faith. This is the way in which you are to act towards outsiders. Always praying that the Lord God would cause more and more to come to Him, so that His worship might be established on this earth. Now, notice the second thing that is mentioned in verse six is the way we are to speak. So we are there is a certain way we are to act towards those who sort are of outsides, which which is what walking means. We are to walk in wisdom towards those who sort are of outside. But then, in, but in verse six, uh, the Apostle Paul speaks of our speech. It's always to be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know. How you ought to answer each one. You are not only to seek out uh, opportunities to speak, and you are not only to walk in wisdom towards those who are outsiders, but you also must not only even take advantage of the opportunities to speak of Christ, but there's also a way in which you must speak. That is to say, your speech must be filled with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel of grace must be communicated with words of grace. They cannot be uh, uh, overly harsh words. There can be hard things that we have to say to unbelievers. We have to, we have to show them their sin. But even this must be done as gently as possible, showing a great concern for, the, for their souls that they might be saved. Remember what the Apostle Paul says in the book of Ephesians, that we are to speak the truth with love. It does not It is not sufficient for you to speak the truth to another. It's not even sufficient for you to do this boldly. It's not even sufficient for you to walk in a godly way before outsiders and then to take every opportunity you can to speak with others. You must speak the word of God graciously with others. Do it in a way that shows that you truly care for the other person as you really ought. You know, one of the things uh, in terms of our motivation for evangelism, is it is, First and foremost, the glory of God that his name might be praised. But it is also a concern for the person that you're speaking with. Listen, friend, if you do not accept this gospel, you, you have to realize that there is a judgment that is coming. And I'm concerned for you. I really want you to, to recognize that there is a way out, that the Lord Jesus Christ has come so that whoever would turn to him can be saved. And right now you're, you're walking in a, in a way that's contrary to God that he is not pleased with. You know, there needs to be a, a showing forth, even as you say difficult things to people, a showing forth that you are someone who cares about that person. Now, notice as well what the Apostle Paul says, that, this, that this, these words of grace, they are said to be seasoned with salt, seasoned with salt. This is picking up on a metaphor that the Lord Jesus Christ used in Matthew chapter 5 where he says that the, that believers, the church of God, is the salt of the earth. They are those who uh, preserve the entire world. That's the, the purpose of salt in the ancient world. It was to give taste, but it was also to preserve the world. This is what the, the gracious words of the gospel do for the world. It preserves it. The world is moving towards death and is dying. The world is a lost and dying world, but the gospel— is the great preservative of the world to keep it alive and from decay. It is the only message of salvation. It's the same thing that we saw uh, this morning with, uh, with Noah. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. His words were the salt, even though they were not heeded by, by anyone else. Um, yet, uh, this was the, the message of life given, and the world was completely lost in sin. And it will be lost in sin unless God blesses the sharing of the gospel with his word. And so when your words are filled with the gospel, when they are gracious, when they are seasoned with salt, when all these things happen, then you will be able to respond to each one you'll be able to give an answer for the hope that is in you. And this is something, of course, that you must always be striving for. Now, there can always be times when, when someone will, you know, perhaps you get into a conversation with an unbeliever, they, they try to ask you a hard question, and perhaps you don't know the answer. Now, that's, that is, uh, of course, fine. It's going to happen. There's no um, shame in admitting to an unbeliever you, know, you don't know the answer. You can uh, even try to, to get the answer as best you can. Uh, But nevertheless, this is something to strive in. You know, I don't know the answer, but I'm going to look it up because I care for your soul and I'm going to do whatever I can to help you get the answer so that you can see that these things which are in the scriptures, that they are true. So think about this, brothers and sisters. Think about uh, those that you know who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And think about the opportunities that you have to speak with them. And not only that, but be... But be praying for them, be praying that God would give you the grace to speak to them well, to speak to those that you know who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, to give you the boldness to do it well, to do it in wisdom, to do it with grace, and that he would bless all of your efforts that, uh, that even there might be many who would be converted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, it, it, can be, it can be difficult when we are in a place that's as dark as the one that we're in spiritually spiritually. Where there seem to be um, there is a growing antagonism to Christianity. And there are many, many people who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we we have to recognize it. This is the reason why we pray. God can change many people's hearts, and He can do it even very quickly. He can bless our efforts to share the gospel in such a way that many, many people can be converted. And this is what we always must be seeking the face of the Lord for, what must be first in our minds. We will pray for the sake of the advancement of the kingdom of God. Now, a couple of even helpful, practical uh, advice pieces of advice for you as you think about um, trying to take advantage of opportunities to speak to people. Um, there, very often we have opportunities to speak to people, and perhaps um, in the nature of the case, we just we it can't be a very long conversation. Well, even if that may be the case, still. Use whatever opportunities you're given to just help people take the next step. If they have if you can speak to them about the existence of God, speak to them about that. If you can speak to them about the realities of sin and death or the connection between sin and death or about the realities of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, about the necessity of faith and repentance of living a godly life, of the inability to live a godly life apart from Christ, of the testimony of their of someone's conscience against them that they're sinners, whatever it be, perhaps you can only speak to them about one of those things in a given conversation. But still, take the opportunity to do that and to try to speak truth into their lives so that they can see the truth of the Gospels. And also, then, if you're able to have fuller conversations with people, of course, take advantage of that as well. Being able to present uh, all of the gospel from uh, God's good creation to our fall to sin to uh, the work of Christ, the sending of Christ, the sending of the Spirit— his death and resurrection and ascension, the necessity of faith and repentance, and so on. If you have an opportunity to speak, um, have a fuller conversation with someone, take advantage of that. But also, another important thing with evangelism is no matter how long you have to speak with someone, it's always good to try to, to get people as connected as possible with the word beyond the conversation that you're having with them you know, you can say you know let's let's talk about this again if you don't have a lot of time let's or let's let's would you be interested in going through a book of the bible with me or perhaps would you be interested in listening to a sermon i think will really help answer your questions or um, perhaps you would like to to come to church i think a lot of these things you know you can see the the love of god's people this is really where god is uh, you'll be able to see the truth of these things if you come to church one of the great things about uh, evangelism and one of the ways in which god blesses it is Um, when God's people uh, take the advantage of their their situation to speak about the gospel, but then also try to get people connected so that they can hear and understand more. Very often a simple conversation or even a long conversation will not lead anywhere. But if that conversation opens the door for further inquiry, if it opens the door for uh, further opportunity to speak, or to sit under the word, this is what God uses to advance his kingdom. If you think of um, something that Reformed theologians often talk about, the means of grace, the means that God uses to grow his people in grace, but also to bring about conversions. Uh, we think of the word of God being primary, particularly for conversion, for, for conversions, even more than just the word of God generally, the preaching of the word. This is, this is something that you want to do. If someone is not being exposed to the means of grace, then really their chances of conversion are basically zero. Unless you know the people have been converted um, by remembering sermons they heard in the past, even then it's connected to the means of grace. If you if someone is going to be converted, it is ordinarily by regularly being under the ministry of the word. So seek out this for uh, friends and family. You know, if you can reach out to someone and say, you know, this is something uh this this gospel you know if you are are at all interested in learning more here's some some things you can do some further resources that sort of thing get people to sit under the word of god as much as possible this is what god uses to advance his kingdom now these are the two last practical things that the apostle paul uh puts before the people of god in terms of their holiness he's addressed a number of issues sins they are to take off sins they are uh uh, love it primarily that they are to put on, actions they are to put on, the way in which we are to deal one with another in terms of uh, our relation within the family. And now, these last things prayer and evangelism. Prayer and evangelism. There is uh, something missing in your sanctification if you are not diligent in prayer and evangelism. And this is so because think of the greatness of God, think of his holiness, his justice, his goodness. His grace, his love, his transcendence, his omnipotence, his great uh, wisdom. Think of all of these things and think of then the gospel. Think of all you know about Christ, his incarnation, his miracles, his humility, his glory. And as you think of all those things, is it not the case that God is worthy of praise for all these things? You see, brothers and sisters, that is really the grounds of of all that we're saying about prayer and evangelism. If God is who he is, if he's done what he says he's done, then your heart ought to be overflowing in love and gratitude towards him. And you ought to be striving to do whatever you can for the sake of the advancement of his kingdom. He is worthy of the praise of this entire world. And what the apostle Paul is saying here is that you must be diligent in prayer and in evangelism. If not, there is something missing. The only possible explanation could be that there is is not a full grasping of the greatness of God. There's not a a full comprehension of his glory in such a way that this would then cause you to to say, Lord, whatever else else happens in this world, may it be that your name is worshiped and praised. Do your prayers and do your actions outside of prayer manifest your great desire to see the name of God praised prayer and evangelism just simply flow out of these great realities it flows out of this understanding of who God is and what he's done for us in his son the Lord Jesus Christ may God grant you the grace to increase in these things to the praise of his glorious name let's pray Father, how would you thank you for your word, which has such practical instructions for us. Lord, we think of the, the great passages which speak of the glory of Christ and uh, his relation to you. The great work that he has done in uh, coming down to earth and becoming man and living, uh, performing all the miracles that he did, dying on the cross, being raised from the dead, ascending to heaven and how he will one day come again where we think of all these great things that are uh so necessary for our faith but Lord, we're thankful that your word also gives us such practical instructions that we are to be a people of prayer that we are to be a people who evangelize that we are to walk in wisdom towards outsiders we are to speak words with grace that we are uh, to pray earnestly and to be diligent in it. Lord, how we do pray that you would make us a people of prayer and evangelism, that your church even here might thrive, that uh, even as we we think of the the Bay Area and the ways in which this area is dark, dark, Lord, we, we ask that the light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ would shine brilliantly in this place and that many people would be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, to the kingdom of the Son of your love, Lord, we do ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can visit us at newcovopcssf.com. That's N-E-W-C-O-V-O-P-C-S-S-F dot If you'd like to worship with us on Sunday, our service times are 1030 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m.